0: every customer wanted to like move modules and like customize like every aspect of that product and when you're when you're early stage like that's not feasible
1: early stage companies have a tough bag usually they have a lack of resources a lack of tools and a lack of truly knowing if their solution will work
0: Really, for the first couple of years here, I mean, it's all been about finding product market fit. That's been a recent success story for us. Being able to like look at last quarter, for example, and see all these companies renew their contracts has been like a huge indicator in terms of product market fit.
1: That's Jamie Bell, the VP of Marketing at Workshop. She joins us to talk about Workshop's early journey to find product market fit. She'll also tell us about how she's using free content in her newsletter strategy to pull in a ton of leads. And she'll give us an insight into her stack that works by keeping everything connected to HubSpot. This is Dan. I'm the CEO of the leading tech stack agency, McGaw. Each week, I get to speak to executives to find out their strategies and the stack they're using to drive revenue. Let's get into the conversation we had with Jamie Bell.
0: My name is uh, Jamie Bell, and I'm the VP of Marketing at WorkShop.
2: What is Workshop? Like, help us and the listeners understand.
0: So, Workshop is an employee communications platform, and it's built specifically for internal email. So, for creating, sending, and measuring your internal email communications. For example, we uh, use the company newsletter a lot as our, like, primary example, but someone internally is responsible for that employee newsletter, and somebody hates doing it. Because the templates out there aren't meant for that. Kind of the way you manage employee lists aren't set up that way. The measurements are, in a lot of cases, created for marketing and not actually created for internal comms. So you get employees unsubscribing to like their internal company newsletter, which isn't That's great. this guy.
2: That's this guy. <laughs> right here. I'm not going to lie.
0: <laughs> and like mission critical information, like the office is closed and they don't get that. Yeah, so we basically built a platform entirely for that internal comms use case.
2: Now, you you talked about like internal comms, but I guess sometimes when I hear that, like people would overlap that with Slack, right? Because like that's internal communications. Is this all email or is there a, a message component?
0: Yeah, it's very heavily based in email, but we do offer integrations with like Slack channels, um, with intranets and with SMS as well. So it is kind of set up so that you can push your employee communications to those channels. But it is meant for mass employee communication. So not like one-to-one conversations between me and you, but when I need to email a group of employees at a company, I'm able to create the templates and the lists and the analytics for that use case.
2: Interesting. Interesting. And I I will be the first one to say I do unsubscribe from literally everything. I work at a co-working space and they send it. I unsubscribe from our newsletter with no problem at all. And the offices were closed and I showed up and was like, nobody told me. They're like, we totally emailed you. So I would unsubscribe from a company newsletter for sure. (laughs) I unsub everything. So... Let's talk a little bit about like what are your goals, right? So like when you think about the things that you're trying to accomplish, like what are the main goals you have out in front of you?
0: Really for the first couple of years here, I mean it's all been about finding product market fit. So I feel like that's been a recent success story for us. From there it's just been figuring out like the early growth, how do we kind of capitalize on that when we're starting to see, you know, enough inbound demo requests and enough kind of interest in the product as we've got sort of communicated so far today? How do I kind of double basically everything that I've been doing for the last year?
2: That's interesting. Now when you think about like achieving product market fit, like I guess like how do you go about doing that? How did your team manage? I mean, I'm assuming that you had to pivot at some point, right? So like what was the pivot, I guess?
0: Uh so initially We targeted internal comms. That was the kind of problem we really wanted to solve. It's something we had seen at a lot of companies that we'd worked at up until that point. And it was something that was really important to me at previous companies, just being like a marketing leader. I think I saw the benefit of internal marketing and creating basically like launch use cases for our employees. Like anytime I could get our employees as excited about something we were doing in marketing as I was, the benefits just like rapidly outweighed um, kind of the work I put into it, and that's something that we see constantly now is people trying to create like employee influencers and thought leadership and things like that. So I really wanted to basically teach companies how to market to employees. Initially, when we talked through that, when we created product things like that, our original product was more so an intranet. That's what we kind of thought would be the solution to a lot of internal comms problem was like a one-stop shop. But increasingly, like when we started building that product, when we had our early um, customers, our early demo requests, we got a lot of feedback pretty early on that it was creating another destination for people, right? Like they had to go check that internet every day to see what was new. It was hard to kind of segment that messaging for specific employees, And everybody wanted a custom internet. Like every customer wanted to like move modules and like customize like every aspect of that product. And when you're when you're early stage, like that's not feasible. So we had one aspect of the product called updates. And it essentially was an email whenever there was a new internet post. And everyone kept asking, what if I could just put the entire internet post in that email and format it the way I wanted to? Like, I just want to create that. And we started there. We Instead of saying like, no, we can't do that for you. We, we were like, actually, like, yes, let's try that. And that took off. Like the company newsletter use case was the first kind of place that we put some real focus And from there, it it just sort of took off. Like we started talking about specifically email only as a channel, um, and talking about meeting employees where they are and trying to reach them that way, as opposed to creating like this mobile app or this intranet or this other destination that employees had to go to to get the information they need, and not being able to like customize that experience for them without paying a gajillion dollars. (laughs)
2: Yeah, right. No, I could totally understand that. I mean, and it's also hard because like a lot of companies always try to create this separate thing and then nobody goes to it because it's not like already in their workflow.
0: Adoption's terrible. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So totally know that. Like I'm I'm a part of like all these other groups and they have like their apps and they have these communities. And I'm like, if you just created a Slack group, man, I'd have joined it. But like, I don't want to go to another site. So I can totally empathize with that.
1: Workshop's journey to find product market fit is an awesome example of what you should be doing. Their initial product wasn't working and it was not standing out for their clients. The demands were completely unsustainable. They realized though that they were trying to build a product that didn't work for their users and no one wanted another place to check to constantly find out this information. And when the goal is to build community and excite people, participation is going to be a pretty big deal. Ultimately, they followed their customers and pivoted to focus on a product that people were excited about and already fit into their daily routines. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of checking all these different apps that I have with communication with my team too. Product market fit is crucial to find for long-term success, but sometimes it can be a difficult path. TK Cater made an amazing video talking about product market fit. I'll leave you a copy of it in the show notes. Let's listen really quickly to a quick recap from that video though.
3: Number one, ask people to buy as early as possible. Don't just ask them for user research. Half of them are lying to you, if not more. That's the truth. You won't really know until you say, hey, would you do a $1,000 pilot or $10,000 pilot? Number two, you wanna be intentional about your target markets. There could be more than one that your product could be a good fit for. There could be subsets of the market, so think through that and be intentional about that. And number three, As you are bringing your product to the market, as it's being built, start to think about the go-to-market and start to engage these people, ask them to buy, and keep track of who you're engaging and what they're saying and what you're learning and what you're tweaking. Are you changing the landing page? Are you changing your value proposition? Are you changing how you position the product? And look at what's actually moving as you do it over a period of time. Only then will you actually be able to tell the patterns and you'll be able to make decisions based on data, instead of just saying, well, the guy yesterday really went for it. So let's go find more of those people. Whereas, you know, maybe that person is just a snowflake, meaning a unique person that no other like that exists and it's not part of a key market. So you will never reach product market fit, even though you got a dollar. And so those are the three principles. Number one, ask people to buy. Number two, be intentional about the target markets. And number three, measure the progress as you go.
1: Again, I put the video in the show notes. Go check those out. You'll be able to see the whole thing. Really, really helpful. Product market fit, though, is a journey. You never actually finish it, right? You have to understand that every time you build a new feature, many times you're going to have to find the new market that that product feature fits in. So as you grow, you're constantly going to be looking for new markets and you're constantly going to be figuring out what is the fit into that new market, whether that's a niche or whether that's expansion. Let's get back to Jamie, though, and learn a little bit more about how she's continuing to grow workshop.
2: You talked about, of course, achieving product market fit and getting focused on early growth. I mean, how are you achieving growth at this stage? I mean, being employee number one, now three marketers, what's growth look like?
0: Growth for the for the next year is, again, probably just doubling a lot of the success we saw last year. Specifically through, I think, content, education, and brand are places that we really want to make measured investments um, for the next year. So we've got a handful of things that have worked really well for us over the past year. Um, One has been creating some like free email templates and free internal communications sort of planning templates as well. I find that our audience really likes very practical resources in a lot of instances. So we do our best to deliver those in a variety of formats. So whatever kind of fits their workflow. So those free email templates. Um, we have a newsletter that has done really well for us since day one. It's called the Happy Monday Club.
2: I'm a member. It's great. Oh, I just want to you. say it's awesome.
0: <laughs> thank you very much. It's just meant to be, again, kind of this like practical, positive place. Just kick off your Monday. One of the things that has really stood out to me in talking to anyone who works in internal communications is that there are a lot of people who are just trying to make their workplaces great to be at and great places to like kick off a Monday. And I find that every time I log on to like LinkedIn or Twitter, just the narrative around work is such a downer.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I got kind of fed up with it. So I, I created this resource and it's kind of become just like a really cool part of our brand that, that it's very optimistic and it's meant to be like good narratives and like real solutions for people who are communicating with employees or just trying to increase employee engagement in any way, shape, or form. So that newsletter goes out every single Monday. That's kind of a, a, an overview of our, our current content strategy. So we're doubling down on that. Um, and then we also do a lot of work in Google Ads to develop campaigns for people who are sort of more bottom of the funnel, who are looking for solutions to a lot of these like strong email problems as well.
2: Well, help me understand. So you're talking about you have these, you develop these email templates. And it sounds like these are templates that you're attracting people through content marketing. You know, help me understand, like, if I was a, an individual person that was looking for an email template, and then became a lead, right, like download the email template, how does my lead kind of pass through your stack?
0: So as far as a a content download, um, how you're going to find that for the most part is either through paid or organic search. I like to double down on anything that's working in organic with paid. So if... Makes sense. Yeah. If I'm getting good results from a particular template, then usually I'll, I'll kind of send additional traffic there. But one, I guess, example would be looking up something like an internal comms plan template. Once you download that... You can download it in whatever format works best for you. So usually I'll have like a Google Doc, a PDF, and a Word doc. So whichever kind of software you're using, um, you can pick and choose that. Once you uh, download that, we send a Happy Monday Club welcome email. So anyone who downloads the resource on our site is enrolled in that Happy Monday Club newsletter. They can also independently subscribe to the newsletter too. So we kind of have those two gateways into that email. From there, either we are working towards nurturing you towards the product, maybe through a webinar or something like that, but kind of getting you interested specifically in like the email problem solution area, showing that there's just a better way to be able to create a lot of those internal communications, Um, a lot of people and a lot of even like enterprise level companies like Companies of (laughs) 300,000 don't have any solution specifically for internal email. So we kind of treat everybody as if they don't have one. (laughs) Really? Yeah. It's not a, um, there are some competitors in that, in the space, but it's just really interesting how many people still just try to do all of this in Outlook. So, we like to kind of just bring awareness to the fact that there is a tool that can solve a lot of these issues that like if you have company or employees that are unsubscribing or if you have to work with IT to get a current list of your employees every single time to communicate with them. Like that's such a pain. Yeah, right. <laughs> so there's a lot of like, there is a better way marketing in the middle of the funnel there. But we also for certain people who match the fit criteria so if they have an internal communications title and they're at a company size of 200 or more and they've looked at maybe the pricing page or a product page or two or something like that then we uh, go ahead and assign those to bdrs to create more custom content
2: yeah and is all that managed in hubspot like that fit 200 plus pricing and stuff
0: so we use HubSpot to manage like the workflows and assignments and things like that. But we use Apollo uh for data enrichment. So to kind of pull in those titles and things. Um I also am able to track like when people switch jobs, that kind of thing with Apollo.
2: Yeah. Now are you measuring like inside of um HubSpot? So like HubSpot has a ton of different tools in it. So, like, I'm assuming you're using CRM, you're using marketing automation. Are you doing like any lead scoring or any operations inside of HubSpot to kind of push people along? Or
0: yeah, I just implemented lead scoring maybe a month ago. Um, so we're kind of still in a feedback process and, and refining that a little bit. But I did add that process to our lead gen. Yeah, I, I'm still. Playing with it. Eventually I do hope to kind of change our our definition of say a marketing qualified lead based on score. Right now it's a little bit of a mixed bag of things. So we're we're working through that actively.
2: Do you have like the stereotypical process where you're going from like MQL to SQL and such like that? Or is it just MQL right now?
0: Yeah, we so we define an SQL as anyone who books a meeting um, who's actually like on the calendar. So we do have that kind of separated. And MQL right now is sort of based on either fit or intent. So either they're that internal comms title that we're looking for at a company size of 200 or more, or we look at intent. So that would be someone who is actively like kind of checking out the pricing page. Maybe they came in through a competitor ad campaign or something like that.
2: So like your job is ultimately to get meetings, right? So like you do these MQLs, you're getting these people in the process, but then you've got to get them into a demo. I guess like how are you involved with that? How is sales getting them into that demo?
0: So I would say about half of our demo requests are now from paid ads, specifically like very low funnel paid advertisements in Google. So we're looking at things like internal email software, like really strong keywords of someone who's like really looking for a solution in this vein. I also find some good success with just like talking about specifically employee newsletters because I think people don't realize that there is a solution to build, for example, an employee newsletter without all the pain along the way. So I think a lot of people who are just looking for like employee newsletter ideas to kind of spice things up for like next month find our software and kind of submit the demo request from some of those content keywords as well. Other than that, really yeah, it's just been about kind of getting our our name out there through different like professional webinars and things like that. We do have some good success there. But as far as the meeting requests, I would say like Anytime we're having a tools conversation about how you go about creating those employee emails, we can book a meeting like it's a slam dunk. If we just open that conversation of like, hey, are you using Outlook right now to create your employee emails? If they say yes, like it's almost game over. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, I feel bad for any company using Outlook in most cases. So, like, to use that for your uh, your employee uh, communication, I think is is even worse. Outlook's a tough tool in general. Now, I'm interested. You brought up webinars, so like, are y'all running webinars? Are you hosting them? Or are you partnering with other people?
0: I do both. So we'll run our own events. Um, traditionally, they've been you know one a month or something like that.
2: Now, you you were mentioning earlier. Um, a big part of your job, I mean, is driving meetings and driving pipeline. But it sounds like a lot of that pipeline is landing on sales's plate. And you're really focused on driving those meetings and getting people deeper in the funnel. Are you responsible for uh, like retaining customers and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, I think uh, overall, as far as like balancing that acquisition and retention, we are still actively... That's a huge goal for next year as well. We sailed past 100 customers last year. So Good job. <laughs> it's... Thank you. It's definitely as those like all come up for renewal. I mean, that's something that's been a huge question, like only really focusing on this product probably since I want to say September, October of 2021 is when we went kind of all in specifically on the internal email use case. So just as far as product market fit goes like being able to like look at last quarter for example and see all these companies renew their contracts has been like a huge indicator in terms of product market fit as far as marketing specifically to those customers that's become increasingly a need as we roll out new features based on customer feedback and just making sure that you know we're continuing to invest in the product and really show that we we want to be even more than internal email in a lot of cases we really hope to be more of like a broad internal marketing solution there's really nothing out there created specifically for an internal communicator to do their job (laughs) they have to patchwork tools or use marketing like they're using mailchimp to send internal emails or Outlook to send internal emails. Or if they want to send a Slack message, they have to go in Slack natively to do all of that. So we're really um, working with customers to continue to build out our product roadmap. I use Typeform for surveys and feedback like that uh, as well.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Now is Typeform, do you have Typeform integrated in with HubSpot or are you just using Typeform for Typeform?
0: Right now, I used to, <laughs> the cheapest version of Typeform.
2: <laughs> I love again, this. I mean, th- this by. is great. <laughs> it's great to talk to another startup, right? Like I get to talk to like these big companies sometimes and I'm like, they're spending all these crazy. I'm like, listen, I'm trying to find the free tool right now. Yeah,
0: it's like Google Optimize for A-B testing. Of-
2: Which I will say, Google Optimize does a great job for A-B testing. Yeah. Don't me wrong. Oh my you always upgrade to other ones, but it does a fine job. So it, it sounds like you're running some A-B testing as well every once in a while.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I use it specifically for like maybe a a demo button or something like that. I try not to go too nuts with it because, really, at the end of the day, like a a button color, I've never seen it like change the world. Now I'm curious.
2: We were talking earlier about you've added these two marketers, right? So going from a solo marketer to then having two additional marketers typically means you've got to manage people, right? And I'm assuming you're a remote team, so like. I'm going to assume you've had to recently get project management on board.
0: Yes, I'm a diehard Asana fan. I think we talked about You marketer- everybody else. Marketers Asana really is like, like Asana.
2: Marketers galore.
0: I mean, the, just the fact that I can like color code things and like a little unicorn jumps across after I've completed my tasks—that's just delightful.
2: You know, I remember Asana from, like, years ago, and it sucked. And everybody, like, didn't like it back then nearly as much. And now everybody's like, I love it. And now that you tell me that it has unicorns that jump across the screen, I'm going to have to try this out. So, like, you, you're a diehard Asana fan.
0: Yes, and that has been over the last month. So I onboarded those uh, two new hires in the last month. And so now I'm back in the thick of project management and remembering <laughs> how to document all of my creative briefs and things like that all over again.
2: Now, would you say that you have like a project management style or flow? Like, is this something you've used at other companies that you've kind of brought with you?
0: I will always do something like a a form for other departments to be able to request different things. And that form usually is a Google form that I just tie into Asana. So I can see project requests just like drop in the kind of a just long list and then I sort of categorize it either it's backlogged or kind of put it in the just right time frame that we're going to get to it and communicate that back to whoever submitted the project request but I try I'm trying to be better about like putting for example like creative briefs or project briefs I've always done in Google Docs which is nice but as much as I can keep in Asana and not link externally I'm trying to work on that.
1: Asana. We keep hearing about that tool for marketing teams to stay organized. Mark Killens from AirMeet said it was the backbone of his business in a previous episode. I would def go check out that episode, though. They had a lot of good takeaways for how they get their team aligned around a solid campaign brief. And in that conversation, too, we talked a lot about how Mark and his team are using Asana to stay organized. I said it in that episode as well, but my team is still researching the right project management tool to go to after we leave Trello. Asana is in the runnings with ClickUp and a few other great options. But choosing a project management tool to run your marketing team compared to running your agency is a little bit different. But they do have a lot of things in common when you want to get something done. But there's something else that's going on here with Jamie's strategy that really makes sense for her overall project management work outside of just using a good tool. She mentioned HubSpot a lot throughout this interview. And I bring that up not just because HubSpot is a good tool, we already know that. What works here is that she has so much of her internal workings running through a central place. HubSpot is acting as the center of gravity for her stack, and she's keeping that effective by limiting the integrations and being as simple as possible. Not to mention, she's keeping a lean stack because, you know, startups be startupping, right? This idea of a central space for your stack is something we spent basically a full episode on with Dan Woldschmidt, the CRO of Penzura.
2: Instead of having, buying into the sort of best of breed... Where you bring in, you know, oh, I want, you know, six cents to do this, and I want demand-based to do this, and I want my Outlook email to do this other thing. We realized that while we were probably missing out on some cleverness, we were gaining by simplifying. And so for us at the time, we said, look, we are we're, we're not gonna go with all the different stack, we're gonna go with a few different platforms that we're really, really, really dialed in on. If you want to
1: learn more about how to do this as well and hear about the pros and cons, I definitely recommend checking out that episode
2: when you're done here as well. For now, let's get back to Jamie. I guess like when you think about like what's next in marketing or what's next in the stack, what are you going to be adding next?
0: Well, I'm really excited to honestly to use Workshop for like launches and things like that for actually communicating internally to our employees because... Up until now, we've been a lot of departments of one. So internal communications has been pretty like fast uh, <laughs> and loose. <laughs> uh, or in Slack or kind of in meetings with just a handful of us or that kind of thing. But increasingly, it's been more about like, okay, we need to document what we're doing or, or if we're sharing metrics or things like that. It just doesn't work in Slack anymore. Nothing works in Slack. If it needs to live more than 24 hours, I feel like um, in general, (laughs) anyway. So I'm excited to kind of use our tool. Like, for example, we have a a company, All Hands, um, coming up in a couple of weeks here. We're creating an email template for like the All Hands schedule specifically to email out to all employees. And it's like branded with our kind of All Hands retreat theme and that kind of thing. So I'm excited to actually like see the benefits of our platform and kind of do that dog fooding thing <laughs> with a company size that's a little bit meatier.
2: <laughs> I heard this. I can't remember who, who it was who introduced me, but it, drinking your own champagne.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Right. The theme of our next retreat is all champagne oriented. So I'm I'm literally going to write this down right now.
2: I better get added as like a fake employee just so I can see the newsletter that comes out with the drink our own champagne. Because I have I was dogging on Kissmetrics. I hate to say this years ago when I when I got there, I was like, we don't even use our own product. Like it's the most embarrassing thing that like we can't even eat our own dog food. And then it's like, who the hell wants to eat dog food? But like the analogy worked. But drinking your own champagne just sounds so much better. So than eating your own dog food. So I'm adopting
0: yeah. it fully.
2: I uh, yeah, no, I, I did not create this. I, I stole it as well. So uh or I was gifted it, maybe I should say. <laughs> I'm curious when you think about trying to give other marketers advice who are trying to build their stack, right? Like cause you've come I mean, Flywheel is not a small, tiny company, right? And you've come from like decent sized stacks. Now you're working at this small product market fit company. I mean, what advice would you give to other marketers out there trying to build their stack?
0: Specifically for marketing, one of the things that I've made peace with is that I don't want, I'm not interested in attribution software. (laughs) Really? No, I think it's just always going to be like, there's always going to be a qualitative version of it and like a quantitative version of it. And there's never like what last touch attribution is like, you can look at that specifically, but that's never going to get you the information that you're looking for. And I know you can add, and I've tested it, like a field on the demo request. This is how did you hear about us? But that's just a different type of, of attribution. Like you're still putting a lot of emphasis on one thing. I don't know. It's just never going to be clean. Like everyone seems to be looking for one answer to that question. Like what got you to do this? And even if you ask them straight up, that's not the right answer because they did 8,000 things along the way. They're not going to be able to recall that they just saw your ad on Instagram yesterday.
2: Mm, it's true. People take a lot of impressions and they have no idea that they're seeing those impressions.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I added the form for a few weeks on our site on the demo request form and, and asked, you know, how did you hear about us? And the amount of people who just wrote online, I mean, come on, that's not useful. <laughs> and then you do a drop down. But then you find, and this happened to me all, every time I put a dropdown on the site anywhere or in any, anywhere in marketing, the number one answer in that dropdown, unless you randomize it, the number one answer is always clicked more. Like I had an affiliate program and the number of, of affiliates that said that they were from Alaska because it was the first state in the dropdown was astonishing. And there's just no way there's that many people in Alaska.
2: <laughs> I agree. No, I saw I saw that same exact problem. Everybody was in Alabama on one of the the surveys that we did because the first the first drop down value was Alabama, right? So yeah, no, I totally agree with that one.
0: I think attribution you just always have to slice and dice it a few different ways and figure out whether or not the effort was valuable.
2: Yeah, you know, I I mean, I come from working at Kissmetrics, right, an analytics company, so everything had to be definitive, right? And that's what everybody wanted. And I'm like, guys, like this is directional stuff here, like. Just because we have the data doesn't mean it's correct, and even if I gave you the data, you wouldn't believe it anyways. So, like, why are we arguing over seven points of uh, separations here? So, because I agree with you, attribution software is difficult. I mean, don't get me wrong; I think it has a time and a place. Like, Rockerbox is a good partner of ours, and they do multi-touch attribution, and I think it has a place in paid acquisition and helping you optimize your efficiency of your spend. But it shouldn't be the, the end-all, be-all on how you drive your company. And I think that's the problem is that's like that's how people want to look at it. And thankfully, I think that ship to sailed uh, not too long ago for some companies of giving up on that kind of, I don't know, look of the world.
0: Yeah. And the things that we love to do are always <laughs> the things that aren't in the attribution software at all.
1: Wow. Powerful stuff to consider when you're building out your stack. Sometimes the cost is not worth the return. In the case of attribution, Jamie has figured out what she needs. Let's quickly recap some main points we learned today. First, workshops pivot to meet the needs and wants of their clients was crucial to find product market fit. It's important to listen to feedback from your users and make adjustments. You can't force a product into the market. You have to find the gap and be the proper fit and the proper positioning for that market. Second, Happy Monday Club newsletter is such an excellent example of organic content. Those email templates are killer. Free content is amazing, but you need to be aware of the return on investment. A good question to ask yourself is, does the return meet or exceed the value you are providing? Third, Jamie uses a strategy where her whole stack is built around a central point. This creates the ultimate efficiency and cost savings for her and her team. She's using HubSpot as much as possible. And same like Dave Wulchman from Penzura, who praised this strategy of not going in with the best of breed and going into the simple all-in-one stack. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe. So that way you don't miss the next one. And this is Dan McGon. I'll catch you next time.